Check out We Are Calvin football podcast in association with McAvoy Super Value, Virginia. Real food, real people. Try Super Value's own range in store today. Quality products at one third the price of branded labels. McAvoy Super Value, Virginia. Supporting local. We are Cavan Podcast. Because Cavan's not just a place, it's a people. Hello ladies and gentlemen and welcome to another edition of the McAvoy Super Value GEA podcast brought to you by We Are Cavan. On today's show we're going to be looking back over Cavan's inspirational victory over Monaghan in the preliminary round of the Ulster Championship. I'm delighted to be joined by the sports editor of the Anglo Cell, Paul Fitzpatrick, and a man who knows a thing or two about Monaghan football, but of course is, is definitely a true blue, Michael Hannan, um, on the line here on Skype. Lads, thanks a million for joining me. No bother, No problem, David. Michael, I might start with you. Um, you you would have had a really good feeling about how things were 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 progressing around Monaghan, or maybe how the the feeling was in Monaghan building up to the game. Was there an expectation that this was going to be another Monaghan victory? They were going to readdress the balance from last year. <laughs> first of all, Damien, the first thing you need to know about the Monaghan man is he keeps his cards very close to his chest. So. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how much of an idea I had from, from Monaghan people. They wouldn't tell you much, you can tell you that. Right. But from having seen the club championship this year, and more or less most of their main players were, were, were firing and fit and seemed to be uh, firing on all cylinders, uh, I would have said leading up to the game that Monaghan would have been slight favourites going into it, which I think the bookies had, more or less everyone w- would, would have had it that way. Uh, but yeah, no, they, they wouldn't have been saying too much. I'm sure they would have been saying a lot afterwards if they had a one, but uh, there wasn't much said uh, leading up to the game, I can tell you that. Yeah. When, when you've seen the two sides, I, I was making the point on, on the Die Hards podcast earlier on, Like the two sides looking at it, there was an awful lot of flux in the Cavan side over the previous 12 months compared to the Monaghan side, which looked like just another settled team coming out, the odd positional change. But did did you... Was there any fear within that going into it that that Cavan's maybe some parts of it was inexperienced, but that it that it may tell? Well, th- there's an argument to be made that the Monaghan Monaghan panel is probably stagnating a little bit. Um, you know, there's a lot of players there with a lot of miles on the on the on the clock at this stage, and you know, maybe they could do with bringing in there's a number of good players there. Like Andrew Woods, for example, I know he came on the other day and, and scored a, a point. But like to me, Andrew Woods was arguably the best player in, in the county championships this year. He, he he was winning games on his own for in the scheme. There weren't too many other players winning games on their own for their for the teams in the senior championships. So um he, you know he he only came on nearly well he came on maybe he got fifteen minutes I'd say I'm not, I can't remember exactly but Felt like he's the kind of fellow that nearly could have been starting at this stage. Um, you know, if they want to bring in a, in some some new blood, but they kind of seem to have kept stuck with the old reliables who have served them so well, I suppose. And Cavan have have suffered a bit of pain, I suppose, by bringing in bringing in a lot of young lads, um, gone back to back relegations. But um, 
you know, they got their they got their just desserts on Saturday when 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 they won. A lot of them played finally played to, and even still, you wouldn't say they played consistently well. You couldn't say they played for the for the seventy minutes plus the injury time. But we we saw sparks of it over the course of the national league. We saw some of the brilliant, like the second half against Westmead was brilliant. Like the first half was horrendous from Cavan. Yeah. So there's always that feeling when you're watching them. Are they going to turn up? And we saw in the in the second half of the game when they were ten point, oh, they were seven points down, and especially after the water break in the second half, they really, really started playing well. Uh, and some of the lads really, really started. It was a bit like watching the, the West Mead game again in some in some respects. Uh, they got on top around the middle, and uh, they were winning breaking ball, and there was huge, huge work rate from the forward line, and they managed to get over. Well, they drew the game, but they got over the line in extra time. So. Uh, can't remember what your question was, Damien. But <laughs> it, it was it was the flux between the panels. But I think you've kind of summed yeah. it up well there. And I, suppose... I, I I would I would have said like for example, there's a, there's a player there, Colin Lennon in um, in Bally Bay, and I I spoke to one or two of the Bally Bay lads after the game, and Colin wasn't called into the panel after after uh, the championship this year. Now Colin Lennon had a phenomenal club championship. He's probably Bally Bay's best player. And he easily is a county player. He should have he should have been playing. He was on the panel not last year, but the year before, and it was his first time on the on the senior panel. Just set of under twenty, and he picked up a lot of injuries, and he he nearly just seemed it was nearly like he wasn't fit for that to handle the load that was being thrown at him at that stage. You know, his body kept breaking down, so he didn't go in for a year, and then uh, he didn't go in in uh, Malcolm Rourke's final year, and then. Uh, he was asked in at the start of this year and he decided he was going to America for the summer. So I, I thought possibly that he would have got asked back in this time uh, with the pandemic. You know, you saw that with, with some county managers, players had opted out, but then when the pandemic happened, and they were like, well, there's no point traveling anywhere now. And come August or September, county managers made contact with them again and they were asked back in. As I was watching that game the other day, I was looking at it going, God, Kavanagh, bless Colin Lennon's not being thrown from the bench here from, from Monaghan because that kind of impetus that Tomás Galligan brought in terms of breaking lines and pushing forward, Colin Lennon would have been doing the exact same thing from for, for uh, Monaghan. It was just looking, like Monaghan over the years, you would have looked at really hard running coming from um, some of the Wileys and Carol O'Connell and Colin Walsh and those boys coming from the halfback line up the field and Darren Hughes, breaking lines, creating overlaps. They kind of were missing that a bit. Um, there was no one really doing that or bringing that energy. And I don't know, maybe the Banty will have to look at this panel and just think about next year, um, you know, where is he going to, where is he going to get that kind of energy again? Or where can he bring in some new talent? So, yeah, look, it's funny the way it works out. It's just probably worked out for Cavan. If this, if that game had been played in May, it, you know, it might not have worked out as well as it worked out the other day, but the lads got another club championship under their belt. Um, some of the younger lads, you know, uh, Oshin Pearson and um, Cormac Riley and all those lads, they've got a longer, more time doing strength and conditioning. It's just kind of, kind of worked out nicely for them. Um, you know, St- St- Stephen Smith, another one, getting just getting that extra, extra number of months being involved. Let's say even with Krushala and just having such a great club campaign. Like I thought he played very well the other day. So it's funny the way it works out. At the, at the end of the day, it was a draw. Nothing in it, and at the end of it, like the game was nearly going to penalties until Ray Galligan popped up. So, um, 
very, no. very little, very little between the sides, all right. But Paul, I suppose to, to pick up on on Michael's point, does we'll, we'll move on to Cavan fairly quick. But does does the Banty have a certain responsibility? I know he's getting an awful time on on social media, but does he have a responsibility on this one? Well, it depends. You know, if you look at the the team that Monaghan had out, it was essentially the same team as last year. Okay, Darren Hughes was back into it. There was very little flux. Uh, between the Monon team last year and this year, like as far as I remember, Stephen O'Hanlon did play last year. Yeah. Uh, but Bannigan would have been new into it, alright, I think. But it, um, it was basically the same team. And last year, Cavan won it by four points. This time, they won it by a point after extra time. Uh, so maybe maybe things just stayed the same. You could actually make the argument that they're, they're a little bit closer to Cavan than they were this year uh, in that in this particular fixture. Now, obviously, you know the mar- the margins are so fine. I think it would be harsh to 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 go to town on Banty, um, based on the, on this one game. They did manage to stay in Division One, and in the year that's in it, I think every manager probably deserves a little bit of rigged room, and that would be the same even uh, if Cavan had been well beaten in the game, which looked possible at one stage. Like like we said it on the other podcast, uh, the Diehards podcast, like Monaghan should have been ten points up at halftime. That's that's the first thing. Like we have to accept that. Like they should have definitely been ten points up at halftime, and that's probably being kind. At, at least, yeah, at least. So, like, if that was the case, that's more that realistically, that's probably game over. Um, but as it was, mistake they made, and in, in real time, I knew it was going on in real time, but I didn't realize it was as bad as it was. That they, they became so risk averse in the second half, Monaghan, and I thought the analysis on the Sunday game was very good in that regard, or where they they had loads of clips. Last night, they showed four or five clips where Monaghan had a chance, got the ball, they would say, around the half back line, around midfield. They had a man free, a couple of fellas maybe in, in positions where they might come on the overlap. And they would literally look up, see the player, and turn around and go back. And I hadn't realized it as much in, in real time, just, just how they, be, they became so negative. So when you look at the experience that was on the field for Monaghan, like the, obviously the two Wileys, Kelly, Desi Ward, Carol O'Connell, the Hughes. Um, do you blame the manager for for that? Like, you know, that's an awful lot of decisions that were made, and these are players who are playing a long time and know how to make decisions on the field. Uh, so I, maybe they were sent out with that instruction uh, for the second half. But the players of that experience, you'd expect them to be able to manage the game better than they did. Well, uh, on that sorry. on that point, sorry, Michael, just to, just to bring it in. The funny point was that in in one of the interviews, at least that I heard after the game. Um, Seamus McEnany was making the point that actually we weren't risk averse enough that we didn't need to take the ball out of our half back lane because Cavan weren't creating pressure on us in that third quarter We but we engaged in them and I know the third quarter I think it ended up three points to two in favour of Cavan but maybe Monaghan what, what McEnany is saying is that Monaghan actually brought the ball into the spider's web I think was the way he, he described it into the web Lost it and gave Cavan that possession. What 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 stance do you take on it, Michael? Yeah, I, I actually heard that there and talking about the spiders' web. So like that to me. So uh, I'm just wondering about Peter Donnelly role in this because when Peter was involved in in Cavan, part of the the coaching that they used to use and some of the language they were using was they talked about the spiders' web and that's what their defence was. This spiders' web. They kept on using that terminology. Now they were playing a hell of a lot more defensive back then. Like the, the spider's web was essentially inside the forty-five meter line, and 
when I heard uh, the Banty talking about that after the game, I kind of was thinking, well, that's not really exactly the way Cavan were setting up. Like, so, you know, Cavan were, were like, if you, if, if you look at a lot of those examples, Monaghan were, were going back to Rory Began, who was inside his own 45, and they were coming out, up to their own 45 and back. Like, Cavan had started pushing and creeping up the field a fair bit. And I, I, I just couldn't agree with it. I just went, that's, they were, seemed to be obsessed with, uh, as if they had this in their idea in their head that Cavan were going to set up the way they played in 2014 or whatever, you know, back then when they, when yeah. they had a permanent defensive system, which isn't the way they were set up at all. So I, I, I just wondered afterwards, did, you know, were they, were they asked, were they, had they done proper analysis on <laughs> the way Cavan were going to be playing maybe? But I just thought it was maybe uh, the, the third quarter, like people say, Oh, they they didn't lose the game in the third quarter. Like it was three points to two, and against that breeze, that's that's only a one point gain by Cavan. That that that's not where the, where the problem really was. Like the the problem was in the Tomas Gallagher's third of fourth in the in the final quarter uh, mm-hmm. after the water break, and uh, you know I, I I think they just have to look at uh, like. Talking back about the first half when you said Monaghan could have been up by ten points. Monaghan, when they won Raymond Gallagher's kickout in that first half against the Breeze, uh, when Monaghan won those kickouts, they didn't do enough damage on it. You had from one of those kickouts. I remember Conor McCarthy going through and he hit a rasper off the crossbar. Mm. Uh, they had another opportunity and they they hit they hit a bad wide. When Cavan started winning those kickouts in the second half, it seemed like they were. They, you know, they were getting scores, winning threes. Grove McKiernan got one. I, I, I distinctly remember Tomas Galligan fielding a ball, uh, going up on top of Kieran Hughes and, and, and coming down and catching it, and Garrod going off like a hair down the middle and getting getting the path. And it just seemed like when Cavan were winning Beggins' kick out, they were just getting those scores, but the same thing didn't happen in the first half. Um, so uh, I, I think actually Monaghan have a lot to look at. It's their defensive shape on Beggins' kick out. They, uh, they didn't, they seemed to be just very open any time uh, they lost the begging kick-out. And you can't say the same about Cavan, apart from, let's say, the, McMahon, the McCarthy chance in the first half. You know? Yeah, yeah, very true. Interesting then, bringing it on to the, the, the fourth quarter, which was you know, phenomenal by Cavan, outscoring Monaghan six points to no score in that. Grodin McKiernan with two points, um, Martin Riley with one, Niall Murray with, with an attacking mark, and Luke Fortune with a long-range point. But... Paul, Cavan's long-range shooting, it wasn't something that we had seen a lot of. There was no evidence really coming into the game that Cavan were going to score probably, uh, well, definitely four out of those six will be considered long-range shots. Yeah, well, three three of their four points in the first half against Roscommon were spectacular, if you recall. And Chris Conroy's was a pretty good one in that first half as well. So you could say they had four sort of long shots yeah. in that game. So. Like they sort of had it in the locker at this time of year. You know, it's a long time since Cavan played a match in November or, or in or in Halloween weekend. Like it would be, I don't know when the national league changed, but it's a long time. So ninety seven, ninety eight, was it? Yeah, it could have been as far back as that. So it's it's a long time. So it's probably you know it's, since we've seen the absolute elite Gaelic football teams playing at this time of year, it's a long time. So we're all probably going to learn a lot over the next uh, while about how. You know how the game is really played at this time of year by the really best teams. Because okay, we've seen club teams playing it, but you know you're talking about the the elite teams here, the top in, senior intercounty teams. 
So we're, we're going to learn a lot more about, and we're going to have our preconceptions tested about winter football. I know it's something Mickey Graham has been talking about, but it's been it's been reasonably high scoring for one thing. Like one one thirteen a piece in normal time was it? Or sorry, one. Yep. One thirteen yeah, a piece. Yeah. Yeah, normal time for for Cavan and Monaghan was was good scoring. Uh, even even in Ballybuffet, the scoring was reasonably good considering it was absolutely horrendous up there. Uh, so th- it's going to be really interesting to see how the game is played in the next few weeks, uh, how it actually does affect teams, if it does affect teams, um, if it affects the gap between teams. Uh, yeah. So that's that's something I'm really looking forward to seeing. But I, I actually felt that Cavan were... were, were I, I think a sign of a team that's playing with confidence is obviously when you string together a lot of scores. So you're playing with a lot of confidence. And the, the conversely, does that mean that when you're not scoring like that, that you don't have confidence? Because I felt that Cavan weren't playing with, with weren't playing with much confidence at all for a long time. And even coming up to the third quarter, I never felt that Cavan were going to win the game until suddenly out of nowhere they got this surge of, of confidence. And it reminded me of when they played Tyrone back in, in uh in twenty sixteen on the Terry Highland in the drawn game, where Cavan were playing at fits and starts that day. If you look back at the scoring pattern in that game, huge all of gaps. Ca- yeah, huge gaps. All of Cavan's scores came in, in two or three minute bursts where they'd get a score, suddenly his confidence, bang, get another score. And then then they sort of sat back and they didn't kick on. Whereas this time it was like, uh, we have the wind, we've got a couple of scores, we've the confidence up, to hell with it, let's just go for it. And I, Ross Carr, Carr touched on that in a good uh, astute observation on Twitter as well. It was like, he said that he felt that Cavan were almost resigned to defeat at one stage, um, and things just kind of fell away. And when they got the chance, they grabbed it. And I'd say there's a lot of truth in that because I mentioned earlier on, like the, for example, the, the score Cavan conceded just before half time, where where two Cavan men collided going for one ball, and it ended up with two Cavan players on the deck. And I think it was Kelly that pulled it over the bar, was it, or O'Connell? Like Kelly. it was, yeah, Kelly. It was a, it, yeah. yeah, it was a calamity. You know, it was that was just mm. that was. It, a cal- Carry on it, football stuff, like yeah. Well, it was, it was that sort of a moment that you know it was a miscommunication or maybe lack of communication between Martin Riley and Grod McKeon, and and then Stephen Smith actually ended up on the ground as well through the collision with Fintan Kelly. That you just kind of felt, well, three of our pins are down here, you know, and, and, it, and it felt indicative of, of the situation Cavan were in as half time approached. I think that was the last score of the of the first half that put Cavan the seven points down so you're kind of going oh god we've been knocked over here you know it it, it felt like that but in the game overall I, I I was just conscious to get your opinion you watched it on on telly uh, Michael the difference of opinion from it I, I was looking back on the game in, in my head and I was thinking about Grode McKiernan's role and while Thomas Galligan and Raymond Galligan for me would be up on on the, the man of the match between the two of them I thought Gerard McKiernan was absolutely brilliant because I was looking back on it and, and my thinking or my memory of the the first Cavan goal was simply that if Gerard didn't throw his body on the line, Monaghan had possession of that ball. And while he didn't catch it, it was probably not the best of hand passes by Killian Brady. If he didn't if he didn't throw his body in there, that move breaks down and Cavan would have gone in instead of seven points down, ten points down at halftime, and I don't think we'd have come back from that. Yeah, you can even bring that back a little bit earlier, but just seconds before, in the same kind of attack. So Kieran Brady gives a hand pass to James Smith. I don't know if you can remember this, but it kind of lands at um, James' feet. feet. 
Yeah. Yes, and he has to go down on it to try and gather it. It's very low. It's, it's dribbling away from him. Darren Hughes comes in. He kind of knocks him off the ball. And straight away, Stephen Smith comes out of nowhere and throws himself in on the action. That's right. And they win the ball back. And from that moment on, it's a couple of hand passes later, comes to Garode. He throws himself on the ball, breaks away. Cavan keep the ball, get, gets to Cormac, comes across. Oshin get comes in, gets the ball, sticks it in the net. So, like, I, I was impressed with the way, in particular, with the work rate from the Cavan players higher up the field. I thought there was, a, there was a difference in the two teams. I thought Cavan, when they lost the ball, it happened a number of times. Cavan lost the ball and won it back very quickly high up the field because they didn't just turn around and, and they, if there was a chance for someone to put pressure on the ball straight away they did it and when it didn't work out they were exposed and it happened a couple of times in that first half where they pressed they, they, they had the ball they were attacking and you have to commit players forward against the breeze they were they had men up the field they lost it they tried to press the ball straight away again and a tackle got slipped and Monaghan just pulled away. Like Michal Brannigan got away once. Ryan McInespy got away once. Jerry Smith came through and did a brilliant tackle. Um, there were a number of other times when they lost the ball and then Monaghan counter-attacked and it didn't, the counter-press didn't work. But there were other occasions when the pressure did work, the counter-press worked. And that was something I noticed in the loss against Roscommon. The amount of times Cavan turned Ross even though they lost the game high up the field. And I, I was just, I couldn't see Monaghan doing that any time in the game if they had to do it. Like, put it this way, if Cavan had decided to play keep ball with the ball for, you know, five or six minutes, I, I couldn't see Monaghan actually getting it off them the way when Monaghan started doing it. You kind of started getting the feeling like, oh, Cavan are creeping up on them here. They're going to get the ball back. That was one of the things that, 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 that I was impressed with. But the other thing that you, I, you obviously didn't see it, but you do it on TV, Sky Sports threw up a stat on the 38-minute mark in the game, and they said that Cavan had 60% of the, pre, uh, the possession in the first half to Monaghan's 40%. Now, I don't know how they calculate that, that possession, if it's time in the ball or if it's number of passes completed, but 60% to 40%. Like, Cavan owned the ball in the, in, in the first half, but they were just getting picked off a lot of the times because, obviously, the conditions were, were such a big influence in, in proceedings in the game so you know I, I, like there were things I really liked in that first half and as they were as they were getting slowly and slowly getting pulled away and the game was going like four points five points six points seven points down I was nearly just hoping that they just get get on the ball and just hold on to it a little bit kind of like the way we saw Monaghan doing it just to take a take a bit of sting out of the game and um, but yeah look I there were lots of things in the in the first half, even though the game was going going wrong, that that you kind of say, well, you know, there's a lot. Cavan are doing a lot of things right there. It, it'll it'll come good. The worrying thing for me was the third quarter. Like I thought they would, they should have won the third quarter by more than than three points to two. Uh, you know, they the number of shots that they had at the start, they hit a number of wides. I'm trying to think who it was, Damien. You can probably tell me there. Started the second half. Yeah, uh, was it? Did have a wide, did he? Just trying to think who exactly it was. There were three wides and one drop short in the third quarter for Cavan. Um, I'm just trying to think exactly who hit them. I think Thomas may have hit one. Killian, Killian the Gunner hit one. Yes. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. And, and there was another one that was probably technically a wide that he was aiming for. I actually think both of his were tr- aiming for passes to Thomas Galligan in around the square. Um, mm-hmm. 
but they both ended up wide. Yeah, so like the third quarter was the worrying one for me. Like it was only, and the third quarter seems to be maybe the third quarter gave Cavan the confidence to go after Monaghan. But uh, to me, the third quarter was a quarter where Cavan probably should have closed the gap a little bit more, you know? Yeah, possibly. Brady's Arva Limited, main dealers for Volkswagen cars and commercial vehicles, have been serving the needs of the motoring community in Cavan, Longford, Leitrim, Monaghan, Mead and the surrounding counties for over 50 years. A family-owned and family-run business, Brady's are famous for their long association with the GAA. If you're looking for a new or used car or commercial vehicle, check out Brady's Arva Limited. They provide an unrivaled sales and after-sales service and are open six days a week. Brady's Arva Limited. Get on the winning team today. See www.bradysarva.ie for more details. Looking uh, back onto it, Paul, you were obviously in the ground, but the, the crucial or a crucial moment in the game was the sending of Christopher McGuinness. I, I didn't see what happened. I know Luke Fortune seemed to be down, but did you have a, a eyeballs on that? No, I didn't see that. I, I'm presuming it, it was it was the tangle with, with Luke Fortune, um, and I I heard people saying that that he seemed to catch him with his head or something like that. But uh, I could I don't know I don't know now. But there, there wasn't a huge amount of complaints about it. Like it wasn't one of these uh, you know reactions of absolute disbelief on the heart of Monaghan. So maybe maybe it wasn't a bad call. Uh, I, I I don't know. But I, I you know I talked about it earlier on. I did think the referee was was hard on Cavan and. Uh, I don't think I'm being biased there because generally I, I wouldn't say that but I, I just thought Cavan didn't get very many 50-50 calls in the game Was was there evidence did it, did it show the sending off on TV Michael? No they didn't they, the cameras didn't catch it they even said they they, uh, they went looking for it like uh, in, in the studio they were saying they, they went looking to see exactly what happened but they couldn't the, the cameras didn't catch it at all Um was there any was there any uh, comment on it of the referee in display? I was making the point earlier on there was a few crucial ones. Two two forty fives that should have been for Cavan were given as wides. Cormac O'Reilly's first half effort looked like a point from where we were sitting, which was directly behind the kicker Cormac, and then the free at the end. We we went through that in depth on the Diehards podcast earlier on, but um, how it ended up being called as a free. Instead of it was either a, a mark, which Thomas Galligan would have had to take, or a free a lot closer to goal. But was there was there any feeling from watching it that the referee didn't have no, a great I, game? No, I didn't didn't translate that way to me at all. Now watching it, I I didn't uh, I didn't didn't seem to get too. I mean, you obviously have different perspective. There was a Ryan McInnesby shot uh, that went wide. The, well, the the cameras had a good look at it, right? Uh, trying to figure out, and I think though, in did Cavan have a shot in the second half from a similar sort of position? Was it a Martin Riley shot, maybe? Um, that they 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 met another Riley joke about a similar position. All right, was was the question mark over that one? Yeah, they kind of were wondering also about about uh, didn't the referee go in and get the umpire that one wiped it wide, and the other one put it up? That's right. Um, That's right. So the referee went in and had a word, and any marked it down as a score. Uh, they had a. They made a few jokes about uh, about Hawkeye. <laughs> it was in Crow Park. Hawkeye would definitely be used, but you know, other than that, I I can't say that the referee seemed to be uh, a big factor in the game. What well, didn't translate that way anyway? Watching it on TV. 
Yeah, definitely. Well, look, it it, it was interesting. I don't think it was a a, a factor that that really influenced the outcome. But again, if you wanted to be overly critical, you could you could definitely pick out holes in the game itself. Um, look at looking back on it, then Paul, you know. Cavan's Cavan's possession, as we said in the first half, did Cavan tactically get it right? Do you think, Paul? Well, like it's it's very hard to argue that because when you're seven points down at half time, when you've conceded like four goal scoring opportunities uh, or five maybe, and seen them hit the crossbar and um, lots of last ditch defending, uh, it would be hard to argue that that the tactics were spot on there, particularly in the first half. Uh, I thought obviously Cavan played a lot better against the wind or with the wind, and I think the wind was a was just a massive factor. Like it wasn't even mentioned on the Sunday game, which is strange because it's just a, it was absolutely huge. It was it was a gale at at pitch level, but um, yeah, I, I think I, I think probably one of the biggest factors in the game was Monaghan Monaghan collapsed uh, back into themselves in the second half. So I'd say it was maybe a tactical collapse by Monaghan, whether that was designated by the management team or whether the players themselves uh, opted to do that. But it definitely happened. And I think Cavan then just went for it, really. I don't think I don't think you could say... Mickey, Mickey is will definitely have a better take on this than me, but I, I don't think you could say that it was a tactical masterclass by Cavan. I, I, I felt that coming up to half-time... I was tearing my hair out because Cavan held the ball for two and a half or three minutes, I'd say, coming up to half time, and the whistle blew and they hadn't got a shot off. And okay, you're you're running down the clock, maybe you're playing against a strong wind, and don't want to get caught on the on the counter. I can understand that because you've just conceded so much, like um, nine scores or whatever it was. But I would have felt that Jesus, you're seven points there, maybe Cavan need to go and chase that a little bit harder and take a few risks. But at the end of the day, history is written by the winners, so. Uh, maybe, maybe I'm maybe I'm completely wrong there. I'd be interested in, in Mickey's take on that. What do you think? <laughs> yeah, I like I. One of the things that I I I couldn't see in the second half, Monaghan breaking lines. There was Ryan Wiley. The, the couple of points that they got ended up being fisted points from very close, and they were the couple of occasions when they actually somebody broke through. Ryan Wiley broke through on 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 two occasions. Like Monaghan only got. Three was it three points they they kicked in the second half? Is that right? Yeah, one. Yeah, they only kicked three points in the second half. They uh, they, sorry, they fi- no, they, they only fisted, fisted two. They didn't fisted two. Yeah, fisted two. Yeah, Duff, Duffy and and Ward. Yeah, so the and like Ward's was another goal opportunity. Like he probably in hindsight should have should have went for the goal, but he he fisted over the bar. So I don't think Duffy's was a was you could say the same about Duffy's opportunity, but. Desi Ward's definitely could could have been a goal, and um, so when you like the the thing I thought was Cavan, like as Monaghan kind of brought players up the field, everybody was tracked. Cavan always seemed real intent in in not making not letting anyone get away from them. Everybody was being tracked all the time, and when the ball did go over the heads, like there were a number of occasions, Garold McKiernan, like from from the half forward line, the ball went over his head and he turned and he absolutely sprinted to get back to to tackle the next man up up the field. And I was watching him. He was he was getting so far away from his own man that if the ball was to go back, he was still going to be able to to move across and track his own man again. So that was a huge, huge effort coming from the half forward line, I thought, the full forward line at times to to track runners. To 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 double up on the runner higher up the field 
and then to come back to track their own man if the ball went back out. So they were nearly watching the ball going back and forward, back and forward, and they were always getting there to, to make sure that Monaghan didn't have an easy option. Uh, the player in the ball never had, a, had an e- easy option. And like to talk about tactics, one of the important things, if you're going to play that way, making sure that everyone's kind of tracking a man, man for man, it, you need to make sure you get your matchups right. And I thought, you know, looking at the, the, the setup, I thought Mickey Graham did get his matchups right, uh, having p- players on certain players. I thought everyone was well matched up uh, at certain times of the game, you know? Like, yeah. there were a number of times, like Ryan McInespy, you know, so Ryan McInespy is the kind of player that would run all day. He'd nearly run the legs off someone, and he's really good, high-speed running. Uh, and there were a number of times he went to go and he was just swallowed up uh, defensively by a, by a Cavan player getting close to him. I remember Jerry Smith on one occasion in particular. Um, so, you know, probably Jason McLaughlin at times in the first half struggled with Stephen O'Hanlon. Um, but he's probably still overall, like what did O'Hanlon do? He had maybe one assist, was it? Did he kick one point to get one assist? Yeah, yeah he hit one point and he, I think he fisted one ball back to Michal Brannigan and put it over the bar from about 15 or 16 yards. So, you know, that's probably, he seemed to get on a lot of ball. That's probably not enough for, for the amount of ball that he got on at the same time. So, um, you know, McLaughlin be happy enough with that, I suppose. So, like, I, I think Graham has to get credit for, for getting his matchups right across the field. For what he was working with and what he was up against, I think he, he did a pretty good job in getting them getting them correct. Paul, what did you think of... I know I was very surprised to see Killian de Gunner lining out in the middle, middle of the field. Was, were you equally surprised or had you inside info? Uh, no, I had no, <laughs> no inside info, Damien. I uh, yeah, I think that was a great move by Mickey Graham. Very mm. very shrewd move because that was going to that you know the time of year that's in it maybe and the and the nature of these games it's going to be a game for players to put their body on the line and you highlighted that with the you're talking about the build up to the goal where a few cabin players did just that and killing killing the Gunners a player who will do that um, and probably and and Mickey referenced it after like Killian got a bit of flack the last couple of weeks. He just had he just had been out of form a bit there in the in the league games, and he got got the run around in a couple of games. And maybe it just gave him a new lease of life. That positional change as well, bringing him out there, where you know he could throw himself into tackles, he can thunder in, and and if he fouls, especially against the wind, if he fouls, and so sometimes he fouls, or sometimes referees uh, tend to give freeze against him because he's so full blooded in, in a tackle. But if he fouls out there. Uh, against the wind no harm done really you know whereas mm. he tended to get he was getting punished sometimes uh, maybe for a needless foul or for maybe for fussy refereeing at times as well when he was playing in the full back line um, like he's a, he's a player that should always be on the team he has his critics around the county but I think anyone who really who really uh, understands what he brings to it uh, should appreciate Killian Brady like like you saw you saw what he brought to it there now there was a couple of times he was on he was out on the left touchline and he was delivering the ball inside and I, I made the point to Declan Bogue in the press box that when Killian is the man who's delivering the ball to the full forward line, there's something going wrong, going wrong with our tactics. And I think he'd, he'd, he'd admit that himself. Um, he did thump a couple of balls in there. I'd rather have had someone else maybe kicking it in, but that's not his strength. But I thought he, he turned in a hell of a shift. Like we've, see, we've seen him. He's, he's a man for that sort of occasion. Like, you know, take the, the leash game in the National League this year. Like he was brilliant. Mm. And that was a real tough game in really tough conditions, and um, you know, away from home, 
and Cavan had had. I think did, didn't Cavan go in having lost to Armagh going into that game, so there was pressure on as well, and uh, he he delivered as well. So look, I think uh, I think that was a great move by by Mickey Graham. Maybe he knew what Killian Brady had done at under twenty one level around, out around the middle, but he also plays a lot of club football around middle of the field in Mullahorn as well. So he he can do a job out there. Well, how important was Killian the gunner and the energy he brings? to those points that you made earlier on, Michael, about lads throwing their body on the line. When you see somebody like Killian in that area doing it, you're more inclined to follow. Yeah, like he's like I he's one of the be- best athletes on, on the panel. And he's, so he's able to close players down very quickly. Um, you know, and that's like if you get a ball in the middle of the field and you have to turn before you can attack, but yet you can't turn because suddenly there's a guy all over you and you're trying to go left and right. Those two or three seconds that you might buy by having, like, say, someone like Killian the Gunner doing that, those two or three seconds that he can buy his teammates can maybe be enough to make sure that they all get close to their man, that there's no mm. easy outlet pass, the ball has to go backwards before it can go forwards, all these little things. Um, and, you know, I, I think to, like, I think Graham is looking at the midfield and he's saying, well, if I have James Smith in there, James Smith's going to bomb forward, so maybe we need someone who's just going to be high energy and maybe just be a little bit more defensive-minded. Uh, same with Tomas Galligan. If he has Tomas Galligan in there, he probably... And I, I think we've seen that with the partnerships that he's done up. When he's had James with Tomas is there, he's paired them up with each other too often. It's nearly always been with either Faulkner or Brady or so, someone else. It's maybe just a Killian little bit more defensive. Yeah. yeah, someone that just might be a little bit more defensive-minded um, and, and let the young buck bomb forward, you know, it seems yeah. to be his thinking on. I think that played into it a little bit too. Um, you know, I think that that's a big part of, of, of what he's doing there is just to keep a little bit of stability when he has the, the, the option of either either two the two lads to, to go forward. So, um, big, but big yeah, no, Killian, 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 to me, he's definitely, like I've always maintained, like he's, he's one of the most athletic, quickest, strongest players on the panel. And it always infuriates when you get pulled off, like you get a yellow card and you might get it in the first five minutes and that's it, he's gone, you know. Uh, he, I, he never tends to pick up too many second yellow cards anytime he, I, I see him playing, you know, not because he gets took off, but just because he, he he's nearly always just letting the player know that he's around, you know. But uh, I, I think he's definitely been one of Cavan's unluckiest players over the years in terms of, of getting substituted. Um, but it is a risk, I suppose, with, with with the way the game is refereed. Sometimes you have to you have to look at the referee and decide whether or not you can keep a player on. Yeah. Um, T- thinking thinking back, then just just to kind of maybe come towards the end, and it might take a few minutes. But from your um, vision on the game, Paul, who who obviously Thomas and, and Ryan Galligan both or Raymond Galligan both excellent. Um, who was the other outstanding performers? Right. I thought Jerry Smith, who I predicted last week would get man, would get man of the match. I thought he should have got man of the match. <laughs> I know. I, I actually, I actually thought Jerry had a brilliant game. Uh, I thought, I thought he was really good. And that, even before he got that point at the end, I, I thought he was having a great game. He was like he never really put a foot wrong. His passing was very crisp, and he was, he was getting on the ball, trying to be incisive where he could. It wasn't always possible, but. Where there was a gap, he was trying to, to go through it. I, I thought he was really good. I thought Oshin Kernan played one of the best games I've ever seen him playing for Cavan. Again, just razor sharp, 
scored that great point, but was just really busy around the field and used the ball really, really well. Was always an outlet. Um, Luke Fortune for a player stepping up uh, to make his, his starting debut and definitely in the championship. I don't know did he ever start in the league, but he had a he had a mighty game. Like I showed great confidence with the two points he got, unbelievable scores. So I always knew he was a great attacking player. Like to, on a solo run. Like, remember that famous video where he, he ran the length of the field to get a goal for the Gales? And I knew he was great at that, but I didn't know he was capable of kicking points from, from 50 yards like, like he did. Um, they were brilliant. Conroy was was really good when he came on. I think he played the spare man uh, after uh, McGuinness went off, and I think that suited him. And then McKernan as well. Like To be fair to, to Garold McKernan, he, ha- he has a lot of critics, and I've criticised him as well at times, but like we probably... We probably won't appreciate him until he's retired because, like, if you look back through the, the last couple of games, he's probably still Cavan's top scorer or close enough to it. Like, he got five points against against Kildare. I'm not sure what he got the last day. And another three points from play, crucial points, the first point of the game for Cavan. And came up with crucial scores. I think he won five kickouts. I read, mm. I read somewhere. So, thought he was he was excellent as well. Um, when Cavan were on top, like, he faded as well. But I'd say Kieran and Jerry Smith were kind of. Prominent throughout, uh, just doing little bits and pieces around the field. Um, but like when Garol came with that big surge, you know, he just looked a different gravy altogether. Mm. At at one point during the commentary, I could hear down to my left hand side, and it was I think it was Oshin McConville on on RTE, but he was saying, "Look, if Cavan are going to have to get into this game, it, they're going to need Garol to step up." And I thought he did that final quarter. I thought, you know, he he, he didn't just contributed two points in that quarter but I thought his general want to go and get on the ball was was excellent so um, a big game any other names that stood out for you Michael or who who were the big performers for you yeah well I, I like I thought Faulkner had a, had an excellent game again um, like he was I know he was on McManus for times and it's not an easy task I can tell you that as well Jerry he Definitely uh, got the better of him this year. McManus had a had a slightly better game, but it, it, you know there, there were times. Even McManus scored a brilliant point in the first half. Um, I don't know if you can recall it where he Outside he went forty five. Yeah, and he went yeah. to go forward, and then he came. He pulled the ball back on the bounce, and he put it over. And even as he's striking that ball and putting it over, Faulkner's diving. <laughs> the Faulkner is diving on it like yeah. it is. Like it. It is. It. It takes an exceptional execution to, to score on the guy. So, like from that point of view, if a player brings, like McManus brings it, and he's bringing, he's he's coming and he's bringing his A game, you can live with that because it, it's going to take nothing but the A game. And in the second half, when it dipped, what we had McManus hitting wide and hitting threes wide and getting blocked with taking shots and r- rushing things. And I think that's all, you know kind of coming into his, his psyche what he was going through like he'd know when he put that ball over it was a phenomenal point but he knows he was only centimetres away from it not working out for him when mm. he's working under that pressure with that margin of error it can it can, it can start to play in his mind you know that, that, uh, that's right because like both his, his dummies for that point were absolute textbook and yet when uh, Faulkner recovered from both those dummies to, to be within inches of, of pulling off a block on, on that that really spectacular point he got so it's some defending any other yeah. any other forward in the country, barring maybe Pivot Clifford or a couple of, of Toppin, that was blocked. That was there was no way they were going to get that shot away. Faulkner was so good on it. Point on 
the goal and uh, interesting just to to I couldn't figure out. I thought Duffy's pass was just perfect because Faulkner had ran with with McManus who had gone towards the ball and then it was the double back into space and the ball was just absolutely perfect in Duffy. But Duffy had too much time on that ball, I personally thought. You know, he had the time to get the head up, wait for McManus to make that run and the cut back and then deliver the perfect pass. So it, it was I couldn't blame Park Faulkner in any way for that goal. Personally, I thought there wasn't enough pressure on the supply of the ball. What did you think, Michael? Yeah, no, and it's it's probably one of those situations where if if you are playing from the front, uh, you know the goalkeeper can maybe come out a little bit off his line to play the sweeper behind you, uh, and you know it's it's one of those things you'd want to be working at. But I suppose with that breeze, the goalkeeper probably doesn't want to take the risk of coming seven or eight yards off his line in case he gets lobbed. Yeah, uh, but it was I like it's you know. It's probably not the, the thing that, uh, uh, not Kelly, but uh, a player who played it in from on Duffy. Pass and Duffy, Kieran sorry, Duffy. yes. It's not, it's not um, something he'd be renowned for, Kieran Duffy, is, is spraying in beautiful passes, but it was weighted lovely. And there's very little the defender can do. And once he's made that decision to play on the outside, and McManus runs to the corner, so now he's suddenly playing from the front, and he loses sight of him, and then he cuts back. I mean, Faulkner did exceptionally well to, to stay with him, and but we're talking we're talking centimeters away from from getting the ball, you know, again, or a meter, half a meter, whatever it was. So it was just again brilliant play, and you have to give uh, Duffy credit as well for the pass. It was it was a phenomenal phenomenal ball, you know. I'd like to see him do it again. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. That's it. Tell a few other performers. One, I I didn't actually realize it until I watched it. Now I didn't get to watch the whole lot back, but how good Stephen Smith was in real time. Like his two points were absolutely excellent. There were, you know, one of them, there was nothing else on other than to get the point. And as you said, then the few times he threw the body on the line, got stuck in, like he, he almost denied Fintan Kelly's point at the end. He was very close to the turnover there. How did it look on telly? How did it look like he was doing? Yeah. So, so Stephen, Stephen Smith was, they were raving about him actually, I think at halftime, he, he was playing that well. He, so Stephen Smith's skill level is extremely high. Um, he's he could, if he wanted to be, uh, to me, he could be a better version of someone like Niall Scully. And what, what I mean by that is people don't think of Niall Scully's skill level being very high, but Niall Scully is the kind of player that left-footed or right-footed and just let the ball get the ball and move it on, and no one ever has to break stride around Niall Scully. The ball just seems to always land exactly where it's meant to land. No one ever has to break side. No one's ever dipping left and dipping right. Everything is just on the money playing these passes. And Stephen Smith has that same ability. He's very two-footed. He can go left. He can go right. If you're running towards him, running away from him, you can put the ball exactly where it's meant to go. And he has that potential wherever he plays in the forward line to make everyone else around him better. And I, I just thought, I thought I was so happy for him because times he's played, you know, this is his, his second year on the panel and You've, I've seen him obviously last year a lot with Crush a lot and I kind of was blown away by how, how good he was and then when I seen him play with Calvin I could just be like oh come on nearly wishing it would just happen nearly seeing that he was tr nearly trying so hard that it was nearly trying too hard at times but I was so delighted that I kind of clicked from him and people would have got to actually see see what he can do in a Calvin jersey at the weekend because he is one of those players that his uh, potential is, is, is sky high in my view, and in terms, especially in terms of building a team around him, he can he can play a lot of positions and he can make other people better around him. 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I, I have to say, I, I think that was looking back on the first half. I thought that was the best half of football I seen him play in the county jersey, and and I'm sure he'll be filled with confidence coming away from it. That there's still even more to come because there was a few times I thought even in the second half where wind assisted, he could have taken it on, knowing the ability he has, he could have taken on the shot but he may be shied away from. And I think once he grows in confidence, I think there's a, there's definitely another level to come from him yet, personally, I think. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I think that's about all the points I wanted to cover. Is there anything else you boys want to get off your chest? Uh, not really, no. I, I wanted to ask Mickey how he managed to grow that beard, but I can see him here on Skype, but the people at home won't be able to see that, so it'll probably be missing. But uh, I need a few tips for, for how to recreate the, the Wolverine look. Here. That's like that's like me asking Mickey Hannon, how do I have the the, the speed that you had? <laughs> it's just not in our DNA, lad. <laughs> just eat, eat your porridge. It's fantastic. <laughs> that, that, that won't be a problem, Mickey. <laughs> Lads, thanks very much for joining us. Don't uh, forget to uh, head on over to patreon.com forward slash we are Kevin. We have post-match reaction with Thomas Galligan, Raymond Galligan and Mickey Graham. We've also a very good piece with Declan Bogue that Paul Fitzpatrick done just looking back on the Monaghan game we've all the reaction from the other games at the weekend where Cavan Horlers drew with Fermanagh in the Laurie Maher Cup down in Brewster Park the Cavan Camogies met it um, two wins from two in the Nancy Murray and there's a change in that system and unfortunately the Cavan ladies were beaten uh, by Kerry but we've all the reaction looking back on all of those games from the weekend. So thanks a million for listening to the McAvoy Super Value GA podcast. And thanks to Harry Michael Hannon and not so Harry Paul Fitzpatrick. Yes, it was great. Yes, it was great. Yes, it was great stuff. And Larry has put it over the bar. It was hard, fast football after that. You're in Nice yeah. Was there a feeling that that might have been a chance for Kevin to get come back into the big time? And then the cave and it's over the lap and Kevin yet. Have them doing all they could to hold their lead. To Derek McDonald, what a goal! Oh, yes! And over the bar, Vincent Cahill. What a day he is having. Oh, this is brilliant by Calvin. Dandy-legged farmers walking the roads near Virginia. Hurrah, yeah! <laughs>